Well, today is March 13th. You're listening to Born on This Day podcast. I'm Marco Timpano. And I'm Bill Antonio. Bill, how are you doing today? I'm all right, Marco, but my ears are a little bit cold. I wonder well, why. Well, you're very lucky because today is International Earmuff Day. Oh. That's right, March 13th. We recognize the creation of the protection that keeps our ears warm. Now, do you have a, a pair of earmuffs? I don't. No, I usually just rely on my toques. I pull those down. Yes, I love it. I love a good toque. And for our listeners who don't know what a toque is, it might be called a beanie in your part of the world, but we call it a toque. It's a winter hat yeah. that comes down and covers your ears. I should, I, used... I should get a pair of earmuffs, though. My toques are never warm enough for my taste. I love those earmuffs. Do you remember the ones that you put from behind you? So it kind of yes. sits on your neck. Those are my favorite earmuffs. I had them yep. years ago, and I, I wish I had a pair. When I think of earmuffs, I think of the fact that when I was a baby, my mother's doctor told her to get a pair of earmuffs and wear them whenever I cried at night to teach oh, me no. to deal with life on my own. That's what earmuffs represent cold uh, neglect to oh, me. That, that's <laughs> terrible. My goodness. Well, let's uh, it's go. A, it's a particular style of you know training, sleep training that doctors encourage. You know, so that you're not running to the baby every single time it cries, because then it learns to cry whenever it feels like seeing you. I know. You know? Goodness, it's like putting brandy on their on their gums yes, when, they, when they're yes, teasing, yeah, right? Yeah. Listen, well, we listen, all survived. Yeah, we did. Hey, maybe yeah. maybe that's the trick. I mean, but... I fucking hate my mom, but <laughs> but you know, we survived. <laughs> okay, well, listen. If uh, you were born today, supposedly you are talented yet erratic. A person born on March 13th has a reputation for being high-strung. Although generous, they may have trouble accommodating the views and needs of others. They have their way of doing things and refuse to be roped into the con- conventional rather approach. Oh, all right. Well, celebrating a birthday today, Kaya Scodelario was 14 when she auditioned for the British show Skins, which was looking for real teenagers to fill its cast roster and wasn't looking for trained actors. She landed the pivotal role of Effie and stayed on the show for seven years, during which she made her film debut in the film Moon in 2009, appeared in the remake of Clash of the Titans, and played Kathy in Andrea Arnold's adaptation of Wuthering Heights. More recently, she was in the latest Pirates of the Caribbean film, the miniseries The Pale Horse, and the show Spinning Out. She was born on this day in London, England in 1992. Another British actor, George McKay, recently played the lead role in the Oscar-winning 1917 by Sam Mendes, and that truly is a wonderful film. It is, yeah. At the age of 10, he auditioned for the P.J. Hogan film Pan and got the role of one of the Lost Boys, followed it with the World War II drama Defiance. The musical Sunshine on the Lay, it's Lay, right? On Leith. Leith. Oh, it's, it's yeah. Leith, pronounced Leith. Okay, Sunshine on, on Leith, the touching drama Pride, and the Viggo Mortensen, Morden, Mortensen film Captain Fantastic. In 2019, he played the lead in the true history of the Kelly Gang, and he was born on this day in London, England in 1992. Dana Delaney graduated from Wesleyan University and moved to New York, performing in theater at night and daytime television during the day, including appearances on Ryan's Hope and As the World Turns. Following her guest appearances on Magnum P.I. and 30-something, she became a household name with her leading role on the Vietnam-themed television series, China Beach, 
which lasted four seasons and earned her an Emmy Award. She followed it with the films Light Sleeper and House Sitter, scored a major disaster with the 1994 sex comedy Exit to Eden, later appeared in Fly Away Home, Dead Man's Curve, and the short-lived shows Pasadena and Presidio Med. In 2019, she was on the show The Code. She was born on this day in New York City in 1956. Did you ever watch China Beach? Religiously, actually, even though I was very young because my sister as a historian, always had a particular interest in the Vietnam War. And so she watched that show religiously. And so I I would watch it with her. I'm a little sad that I didn't watch it back then because I feel like I would have really enjoyed it. Yeah, I remember loving it a lot. I took it very, very seriously. It, 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 It hit me somewhere deep. I'd be curious to watch it now to see if it's still good or if it looks right. dated. It had the best uh, theme music. It yes, was the yeah. Stones, right? Painted yeah. black. Oh, my goodness. Uh, for one season. And then oh. the rest of the time, it was Jefferson Airplane. No, it was uh, Reflections of oh, okay. the Way Life Used to Be. The Supremes, um, right? Is it Supremes? Yeah. I think so. I don't, I don't think. Well, I think they changed it, though, at some point okay. in the series. Yeah. Fair enough. Annabeth Gish is is no relation to the silent screen stars Lillian and Dorothy Gish, but says that when she was young, she wrote a fan letter to Lillian who responded by telling her not to get into show business. Hmm. Dorothy made her film debut in Desert Bloom in 1986, appearing in pivotal roles in 1988's film Mystic Pizza and the retro comedy Shag. In 1994, she appeared in Wyatt Earp, played a major role in the Gone with the Wind sequel, Scarlet, that starred, if I'm not mistaken, one of the James Bonds. Um, it did, yeah, Timothy Dalton. There you yeah. go. And Nixon's daughter, Julia, in Oliver Stone's biopic about the president. She was later a guest on The West Wing, Sons of Anarchy, and Pretty Little Liars, and played Monica Reyes on The X-Files. In 2018, she co-starred as Mrs. Dudley on The Haunting of Hill House, and she was born on this day in Albuquerque, New Mexico, in 1971. Sorry, that was I had a mistake in that script. I, I called her Dorothy, but it's Annabeth anyway. Oh, okay. Fair enough. My my bad. It's all good. Uh, one of my favorites on this list, one of the ones that makes me saddest, Marco. Glenn Headley was asked to join Steppenwolf after her performance in Curse of the Starving Class. She went to New York and won a Theatre World Award for The Philanthropist, did Arms and the Man, directed by her then-husband, John Malkovich. She began working in films around the same time, including The Purple Rose of Cairo and Susan Seidelman's Making Mr. Right, then had her breakthrough role in Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, followed by the miniseries Lonesome Dove and the blockbuster Dick Tracy in 1990. She co-starred with Demi Moore in Moral Thoughts and with Richard Dreyfuss in Mr. Holland's Opus. With the birth of her son, she slowed work down to focus on raising him, but continued to appear in Confessions of a Teenage Drama Queen, episodes of Monk, The Namesake, and the miniseries The Name Of. She had filmed 13 episodes of the series Future Man and two movies when she died suddenly in 2017 of a pulmonary embolism at the age of 62. She was born on this day in New London, Connecticut in 1955. Oh, that's so tragic. Yeah, she was so great. And she, I'm sure she had a lot of great performances still left Ooh, in her. So good. Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Emily Hirsch attended the Emil. Hamilton. Oh, sorry. Emile Hirsch, not Emily. Emile Hirsch attended the Hamilton Academy of Music and the Performing Arts in Los Angeles, beginning to work on television in the late 90s before his film debut in The Dangerous Lives of Alter Boys and the educational drama The Emperor's Club with Kevin Kline. His star ascended quickly and he made many films in short order, including The Girl Next Door, Lords of Dogtown, 
Alpha Dog, Speed Racer, and Into the Wild, for which he was nominated for a Screen Actors Guild Award. He starred with Penelope Cruz in Twice Born and was in the war movie Lone Survival. But by 2015, he was more famous for his off-screen life, including an incident in which he attacked and choked the female VP of Paramount Digital during a Sundance Film Festival party. My goodness. He was charged with aggravated assault and checked into rehab, since then appearing in brief roles in the Tarantino Once Upon a Time in Hollywood film and last year in The Comeback Trail. He was born on this day in Palms, California in 1985. He's always sort of like a lesser Leonardo DiCaprio. Like he's sort of like a second rate Leonardo DiCaprio. Sure. So it's like, oh, and it turns out that like you attack people at random in person too. It's oh like, we don't God. really need you for anything. So no. it's, it's like Leonardo DiCaprio's grotesque is this guy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he's the painting in the attic. <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway, William H. Macy was a founding member of Chicago St. Nicholas Theater with David Mamet, whose work he would go on to interpret many times in his long and illustrious career. He played bit roles in films beginning in the 80s, including Somewhere in Time, War Games, and Radio Days, playing a major role in Mamet's films House of Games and Homicide. He became a household name with his performance in the Coen Brothers' Fargo, for which he was nominated for an Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor. Since then, he has appeared in Air Force One, Boogie Nights, Wag the Dog, Pleasantville, A Civil Action, and Happy Texas, scoring rare lead roles in the films The Cooler and Focus. On television, he won Emmys for writing and starring in Door to Door, which is really good. And in 2011, he took on the lead role on the Showtime series Shameless, which is on its 11th season, I believe it's the last season now, and has earned him four Emmy nominations and two Golden Globe nominations. He was born on this day in Miami, Florida in 1950. Danny Matheson made his film debut in the Beethoven sequel, which some say is better than the original, Bill. It's not. It's Masterson, by the way. <laughs> oh, is it Masterson? Yeah. Oh, he turns out to be a creep, so I should get his yeah. name right. Danny yes. Masterson. <laughs> Some poor guy uh, named Danny Matheson is out there wondering why everyone's <laughs> breaking his windows. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, D- Danny mm. uh, Masterson is the bastard I'm talking yeah. about. And he was also in shows like Joe's Life and Extreme before having more popular roles on Sybil and appearing in the films Face Off and The Faculty. He's best known for playing Stephen Hyde on that 70s show for 200 episodes, following following it with the film Yes Man and the shows Men at Work and The Ranch. In 2017, four women filed sexual assault allegations against him. Two years later, they added the Church of Scientology to their accusation. And in 2020, he was charged with raping a 23-year-old woman 19 years early earlier rather if convicted he faces up to 45 years in prison and this bastard was born on this day in long (laughs) island new york in 1976 yeah we were talking with amanda the other day about Mm -hmm. um paul haggis because he also has a similar situation and in both of their cases leia rimini has suggested that it is possible that it's the church of scientology making all this happen because they've broken from the church Oh, wow. Um, and of course, no one wants to rush to that assumption sure. in any way. Um, uh, especially because in this guy's case, the new the new uh, accusation in 2020, Leia Rimini hasn't had anything to say about it since then. Right. She said it uh, four years earlier. So it is, I mean, it's very possible that uh, it's very, very much possible that these allegations are true. But right. It's not actually far-fetched, an idea, given what Leia Rimini has said about what the Church of Scientology does to its former members. It's not impossible, 
that that is also the case. Listen, you know, I don't doubt it, and I'm not trying to shit on the Church of Scientology because I'm sure there's great people who are in it and doing great things. <laughs> but just like the Catholic Church has so many underhanded things that they've done over the years, I'm not surprised if any religious organization does stuff like this that's just like underhanded and horrible. Yes, it could also be because, I mean, Leia Rimini's claim is basically that they're making up these allegations in order to get back at somebody who's left the church. Right. Uh, I also would not be surprised if it's something that really did happen, that the church was hiding. And then now because sure. these people have broken away, that they are taking advantage of that opportunity. In, so, indeed. You know, yeah. yeah. I will so say this. I, I make no assumptions. I like Leah Remini much more now that she's like out of Scientology and just like ratting them out than I did yeah. when she was inside uh, the, With, the religion. Without a doubt. And she also makes Jennifer Lopez so much friendlier by <laughs> by association. Like J-Lo has never been more likable than having this badass mouthy best friend with her all the time. Interrupting her interviews. You know, like it's great. Yeah. Anyway. But enough about Leia Remini, whose birthday is not today. Lonnie Rashid Lynn is better known by his stage name Common, an American rapper, actor, and writer. His first album, Can I Borrow a Dollar, came out in 1992, followed by the acclaimed Resurrection two years later. Then he joined a major label with his 2000 album, Like Water for Chocolate, his first mainstream success. He won a Grammy for the song Love of My Life, another for Southside. In 2016, he won a Golden Globe and an Oscar for the song Glory from the film Selma. As an actor, he appeared in Smoke and Aces, Wanted, Terminator Salvation, and New Year's Eve. In the early 2000s, he was a regular on the show Hell on Wheels. He was born on the stage in Chicago, Illinois in 1972. I stop everything when he's on television talking because he's such a great speaker. And yeah. he just has such poignant things to say that yeah. I just drop everything. Yep. I couldn't tell you a song he sang, but man, when he talks, I listen. Yeah, he's hot too. <clears throat> yeah. Anyway, oh, well, there you on. go. Yeah. Adina Porter has had a rich career on stage and screen, winning an Obie Award for her performance in Venus by Susan Susan Laurie Parks and making her Broadway debut in The Women in 2001. She might be best known for playing Letty May on True Blood or her various roles on American Horror Story, including an Emmy nomination for The Cult Season. She has also appeared in The 100, The Newsroom, and the films The Fluffer and Miss Virginia. She was born on this day in New York City in 1971. I was in a Susan Laurie Parks play myself. Oh, and how was it? Uh, it was all right. I don't, I didn't particularly love it, but I had a great okay. time doing it. It was actually around the time I met uh, Krolik. Oh, was, that's awesome. Remember Theater Best Before, their company? Yeah. It was with them. Yep. Oh, amazing. Yeah, so it's when I when I met all of you guys, actually. It's true. It was around that, it was that year. Uh, Emery Cohen was a full scholarship student in the University of Philadelphia's acting program, making his film debut in 2008 and four years later having his breakout year with his performances in the film The Place Beyond the Pines and the series Smash. In 2015, he appeared in the Best Picture nominee Brooklyn as the main character's love interest. Later, he was in Lords of Chaos, the series The OA, and appeared in the miniseries The Loudest Voice. He was born on this day in New York City in 1990. Okay, Bill, my favorite on the list. Absolutely, 1,000%. And you don't have to be a gay man to love this person. Nope. You just have to be a child of the 70s and 80s because she was everywhere. And for some reason, I was a, a young kid and I couldn't understand why everyone loved her, but everyone yeah. loved her. So then 
I had to love her too, even before I knew what a talent she actually was. True. Also, you know, you love Dolly Parton too. So like the idea, like the straight man taste thing is sort of stretched when it comes to Marco Timpano, I'm going to say. Listen, but also, listen, I, I challenge you know, anyone who says anything about Dolly Parton's talent or Charo's talent, because know, if you love music, and listen, Here he goes. listen, fuck everybody. I yeah. love both yeah. these women right. for, for all the right reasons. Plus, take a two hour break while I try to get Marco down off the ceiling. <laughs> Look, and anyone who, listen, this is going to be politically correct, incorrect, but if you had your tits out in the 70s and 80s when I was growing up, yep. I was a fan. And so much so that I love Swiss Chalet. Because you remember Swiss Chalet, the hostesses, when it was a proper restaurant, used to wear like Swiss <laughs> Miss, <laughs> Swiss Miss, like low cut, low cut tops. Oh, shit. And I only went for the coconut cream pie. No wonder I'm so fat. Oh, man. God. <laughs> Well, Ew. listen, I always loved Charo on her own. Like, I didn't need anyone to tell me. I always loved her. But it's amazing how many of us loved her without knowing yeah. the amazing talent that she had and what she was, you know, because she really, she's a true artiste. But anyway, I'll let you read the copy. Okay, sorry. Yeah. Anyways, we're talking about Charo, one of the finest and most famous flamenco guitarists in showbiz history. Maria Rosaria Pilar Martinez Molina Baez is better known, of course, as Charo. Beginning her training on the guitar at nine years old under Andreas Segovia, she later married band leader Javier Cugat and moved to the States. In the 60s and 70s, she was a familiar presence on American shows as guests on Laughing, Fantasy Island, The Love Boat, The Tonight Show, showcasing her musical talent, generous personality, and of course, sharing her favorite catchphrase, Coochie Coochie. She was she has released six albums, winning Female Pop Album of the Year at the Billboard Latin Awards in 1994. She once said of her career around the world, I'm known as a great musician, but in America in America, I'm known as the Coochie Coochie Girl. That's OK, because Coochie Coochie has taken me all the way to the bank. That's and right. she was born on this day in Murica, Spain in 1951. Murcia. Murcia. Sorry. And or Bill, you know, say in Spain, Murcia. It's also, I think, another reason why I love these two women that we mentioned is because they're able to not take themselves so seriously and yes. they're in on the joke and they do yep. the joke before anyone else does. And that's a power position that these women have that I think people are only starting to realize now. And they're just wonderful. Yeah. And it makes you wonder what, what led them there because mm. calling yourself on it first uh, is the result of insecurity and insecurity is the result of being criticized. So you got to wonder what the story was before they decided to take control of the story. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Sure. Fair enough. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, wonderful Charo. I could talk about her all day and also I'm... never forget Gar Carol Burnett's brilliant skits as Charo yes. as well, yes. particularly Charo in little red, little red riding hood or La Cabrosita Roja as it was called in Spanish is <laughs> so great. Amanda saw her live. Uh, Charo. Live. Charo. Yeah. yeah. Amazing. And she said she was amazing. Yeah, no, she's amazing. I mean, mm -hmm. to be a flamenco guitarist is like a serious yeah. skill. Anyway, listen, if on. she comes back to town, if she comes and does a concert anywhere within a five hour drive of here, yeah. Bill, we're putting I'm on our Gucci Gucci shirts and we're, and we're down. going and that's yeah. it. Yeah. Okay. All right. God, to go to a concert again. My God. <sighs> All right. André Téchiné is one of France's most intelligent and accomplished filmmakers, best known for his coming of age melodrama, Wild Reads, Les Roseaux Sauvages in 1994, and the 1985 film Rendezvous, which was Juliette Binoche's breakthrough role and for which he won Best Director at the Cannes Film Festival. In 1979, he released The Bronte Sisters, which is one of my favorites of his films. 
one of his finest works. Later, he made um, My Favorite Season with Catherine Deneuve and the romantic mystery Alice and Martin, also starring Binoche. Most recently, he released Farewell to the Night in 2019, winner of three César Awards. He was born on this day in Valence, France in 1943. All right, I'm going to apologize before I even start this one, Bill, because I thought I escaped the French artist today, but no. You can't even read the English names. What am I worried about French for? Speaking of which, um, Isabel Hubert's uh, birthday's coming up, and whoever gets yeah. it is, <laughs> we're like both in a minute. I said to Amanda, it's coming up, and we were both like, oh, I don't want to do that episode. It's going to be me and Amanda. Make sure I'm on that day. <laughs> okay, we'll do our best. All right, speaking of France, Pierre Ninet is one of the fastest rising stars in French film history and industry, a professional actor since he was 11 years old, who joined Comédie Française. Uh, when he was 21, or 21, uh, he made his film debut in 2008 with Schools Out, receiving his first César nomination in 2012. And he's had an international breakout when he played the title role in the film Yves Saint Laurent. Two years later, he gave one of his best performances in François Ozan's film France. Uh, later, it was uh, Through the Fire, Lovers, and in 2020 was in the airplane drama Black Box. He was born on this day in Bouillon, Bilcourt, France, in 1989. It's the Comédie Française, <laughs> by the way. You know, I, I, I literally sweat my ass when I ever, whenever I have to do, read the French ones. Because not only am I embarrassed being a Canadian and I can't say three French words in, in a <laughs> sentence, <laughs> but just knowing how many I get wrong, I just apologize to anyone That's who's right. listening. The Comédie Française is like the old, I think it's the oldest state-sponsored theater company in the world like it's actually run by the french government and to be it's like being part of the national like the conservatory for music for music um it it, so to be in their in their core Mm -hmm. is one of the most honorable things that could happen to you as a french actor like it's a huge huge deal and usually if you are a member and you act in a film when the when your name comes up in the credits it will say you know, Pierre Ninet de la Comédie Française. Oh, like wow. That's part amazing. Of your credit. Yeah. Yeah. It's really incredible. It goes back to like the 1600s. It's a big deal. How great is it when countries actually sponsor arts and take comedy as a, as oh, a, as don't a part of the arts? Don't get me started. It won't be here for another 14 hours. Anyway. Okay. Mm-hmm. Henry Hathaway joined Universal Pictures as a prop boy when he was 14, but he quit to be an actor in juvenile roles. After serving in World War I, he returned to Hollywood and moved up to assistant director before becoming a filmmaker, receiving an Oscar nomination for The Lives of a Bengal Lancer, or a Bengal Dancer, as Marco likes to call it, and later made Go West, Young Man with Mae West, Souls at Sea with Bing Crosby, 14 Hours with Grace Kelly, and Niagara with Marilyn Monroe. Famously tough on actors, he clashed so poorly with Debbie Reynolds on the 1963 Oscar winner How the West Was Won that she would often faint in order to get out of being yelled at him. (laughs) And she says this sometimes he would start to like throw his temper at her and she'd be like, Henry, I'm starting to feel faint again. And then he would he would like back down. He eventually grew nicer to her to avoid the filming delays because she would faint and literally be passed out for the whole day. Good he made her. his last film hang up in 1974 and then retired until his death in 1985 at the age of 86. He was born on this day in Sacramento, California in 1898. 
Wow, Bill, that's our list for March 13th. It was a good one. It was really good, man. We need a National Charo Day is what we need. Forget <laughs> this earmuff bullshit. Anyways, <laughs> I hope you enjoyed this episode of Born on This Day and tune in tomorrow for more of this kind of podcast. So excited. I'll see you then.